In this video, we're going over aromatic herbs that transform dampness. If you want to follow along, you can download the slides or the flashcards. There are links below. There's also a practice test you can take afterwards, but let's get started. And this video is brought to you by students like you. So to everyone who supports this channel and the website, tcmstudy.net, thank you. So aromatic herbs that transform dampness. These are herbs that are dealing with dampness, specifically in the middle jowl. Remember in fundamentals we said that the spleen has an action of T and T, or transformation and transportation, or we could say movement and transformation. And there we meant that the spleen has an action of transforming dampness. And also remember at the beginning of herbs we talked about the five flavors, and in that section we talked about the aromatic property. And there we said that the aromatic property has an action of awakening and opening. So here in this category, aromatic herbs that transform dampness, we're using herbs with an aromatic property to awaken or arouse the spleen so that it can perform its function of transforming dampness. So that's what we mean by aromatic herbs that transform dampness. And up to now, we've actually had a few categories that deal with dampness. We had herbs that clear heat and dry dampness. Those herbs use the bitter flavor to clear damp heat, and that was in a variety of locations. Damp heat in the large intestine causing diarrhea, lower jowl damp heat with things like vaginal discharge, liver gallbladder damp heat, or even damp heat skin conditions. Herbs that drain dampness used the bland flavor to promote urination to get rid of dampness. So these were mainly for like water retention edema, Lynn syndrome, or difficult urination. Herbs that dispel wind dampness were for external dampness, getting into the channels and joints, causing joint pain and stiffness, and there we used the acrid flavor to push the dampness out and unblock the channels. And now here we have aromatic herbs that transform dampness. And again, we're using the aromatic property to revive the spleen so that it can perform its function of movement and transformation. So these herbs are mainly for dampness in the middle jowl. So we'll see things like abdominal distension, loss of appetite, nausea, vomiting, loose stools, etc. And before we get into the slides, just one last note on terminology. When we use the term transform dampness, a lot of people will ask, what are we transforming it into? And the answer is nothing. And I think this is a language thing. In English, when we hear the word transform, we assume that means a metamorphosis of one thing into another thing. And that's not really what we mean here. At least according to Weissman, transforming dampness means the elimination of dampness from anywhere in the body. And he goes on to say, note that transforming, hua, is used here in a general sense of removal or elimination and is synonymous with dispelling, chu. So when we say transforming dampness, that just means we're getting rid of the dampness. Same thing as in the last category when we said transform phlegm. We weren't transforming the phlegm into anything, we are just getting rid of the phlegm. And we also use the term drying dampness in this category. And again, according to Wiseman, this is an action associated with the bitter flavor and it's usually stronger in action than just transforming dampness. So this is terminology that's used in both Wiseman and Bensky, and it's what we use here. So don't get confused if some herbs say dries dampness and other herbs say transforms dampness. They pretty much mean the same thing, just drying dampness is a little bit stronger. 
So that was kind of a long introduction. Let's go ahead and get into our slide. So aromatic herbs that transform dampness. We look at some of the properties of these herbs. Number one, these herbs tend to have a strong fragrant smell. I mean, they're aromatic. They have an aroma or a smell that goes along with them. These herbs activate middle jowl function and transform middle jowl dampness. So again, this fragrance or the smell is reviving the spleen so that it can perform its function of movement and transformation. And that's how we're transforming the dampness. And then lastly, theoretically, these herbs should be added during the last five minutes of cooking in order to preserve their aromatic property. I mean, I think we've seen this before with herbs like Bo he, field mint, we added it during the last five minutes of cooking, or uh, Qing Hao, Artemisia, we added during the last five minutes of cooking. And the idea here is that prolonged cooking can destroy that aromatic property, it can destroy that fragrance. And so we, need, we add these herbs towards the end of cooking. At least on the theory, all of these herbs should be added towards the end. In practice, some of these herbs we can get away with cooking them longer. So some of these herbs we can just cook them the full 30 minutes, but others we will specifically note you should add them during the end of cooking or add them during the last five minutes of cooking. So like we said, aromatic herbs that transform dampness are mainly for middle jowl dampness. So the kind of things we'll see are things like abdominal fullness, nausea, and vomiting, that we have all this dampness stagnating in the middle, so we feel full and distended, but also because of that dampness stagnating, the things can't move downward, so they start to rebel back upwards or back up, and so we see things like nausea and vomiting. Absence of thirst or poor appetite. So if you have all this dampness in your middle, it's like you don't want to take in more fluid. So that's why I say absence of thirst. And again, there's all this stuff stagnating here. So you don't feel hungry to put more things into your middle when it's already full of dampness. Morning lethargy, grogginess, stiffness. It's like the dampness is weighing you down, making you feel tired, making the forelimbs feel heavy. Diarrhea and vaginal discharge are dampness. Um, just because of, a, because of the dampness in the middle, uh, things aren't digesting properly, so we get loose stools, but some of that dampness can come out and have sticky, sticky diarrhea or sticky vaginal discharge. The tongue is going to have a greasy coat because of the dampness, and the pulse is going to be soggy or slippery because of the dampness. So we look at the properties here. The taste here is going to be acrid and, of course, aromatic. We say acrid because we're not only reviving the spleen, but we're dispersing the dampness and moving the cheese, so they're acrid in flavor. Of course, the herbs are aromatic because it's in the name of the category. And actually, when we look at the individual herbs, not all of them are going to be explicitly marked as aromatic. And I think this is just because going back to the source texts, um, aromatic isn't always considered part of the properties or the five flavors, so not all these herbs get marked explicitly aromatic in the source text, but they're aromatic in this category. Like we said, some of these herbs are going to be bitter in flavor as well. That's just because the bitter flavor dries dampness. The bitter flavor has a downward direction. So if an herb is marked bitter in flavor, it might have a stronger action of not only reviving the spleen, but actually drying out the dampness as well. These herbs are going to be warm in temperature. Remember, the spleen 
uh, likes warmth and dislikes cold, so it makes sense that these herbs are warm in temperature. The entering channels are the spleen and the stomach because we're dealing with dampness in the middle jaw. We're trying to revive the spleen. And the main action here is to awaken the spleen so that it can perform its function of transforming dampness. But here, maybe we can say it's not just about transforming dampness. We Remember we said that the spleen has an action of movement and transformation. So we're also awakening the spleen so that it can move the chi. So we'll see that a lot of herbs in this category, not only do they transform dampness, but they also move chi through the middle jaw. So we can say that's another action of awakening the spleen. Cautions and contraindications, these herbs are warm, acrid, and drying. So that's kind of the point of these herbs is we're dealing with dampness, so we want to dry the person out. But what that means is we have to be cautious that we don't want to dry them out too much or need to be cautious in cases of yin deficiency if the person is already dry. We don't want to give them these herbs and dry them out even more. And like we said, these herbs are acrid, and they also have this action of moving qi, and excessive movement can eventually exhaust the qi, so we also need to be cautious in cases of qi deficiency. And then anything else, like we said, that these herbs, aromatic herbs, tend to be added towards the end of cooking. So theoretically, on the theory, all aromatic herbs should be added during the last five minutes. But like we'll see, some of these herbs we do that, and some of these herbs we don't bother. So most of them we add during the last five minutes. Some of them we just don't really care. So here's our list of herbs, relatively short category. And our first one is Tsangju, Attractolotus rhizoma. Tsangju, Attractolotus rhizoma. And this herb strongly dries dampness and strengthens the spleen. So you can see here we have that bitter flavor, that this is not only aromatically transforming the dampness or reviving the spleen, strengthening spleen, there's also that bitter flavor there that's drying the dampness. So this, this tells us that's a little bit stronger. So we see that, say Sangju strongly dries dampness and, and strengthens the spleen. And so here, this is mainly for middle jowl dampness. So for diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, fatigue, all of those things that we just talked about that are signs and symptoms of middle jowl dampness. But what's interesting about Songju is we not, it's so good at transforming dampness, we don't only use it for middle jowl dampness, we can also use it for lower jowl damp heat as well. So we see uh, we can combine those as colder herbs to treat things like vaginal discharge or swollen joints. If damp heat in the lower jowl pours downward, it, we can end up with uh, swelling in the joints in the lower body. And basically what this means is, I feel like we kind of talked about this when we talked about phlegm herbs as well, that it just turns out that Songju is so good at transforming dampness or drying dampness that we can even use it for damp heat. It's just that it's the wrong temperature, so we combine it with colder herbs to deal with the damp heat. So this is just a sign that Songju is really good with dampness. And so this is a note from my uh, my Chinese herb teacher. This is an essential herb for dampness. Use it whenever the tongue coat is thick. So this is this Songju we could say is our number one herb for dampness. We can use it for all kinds of dampness. We might just have to add in extra herbs. But whenever you see a thick tongue coating, that means you have dampness. That means you can use Songju. 
And we also say that Songju dispels wind dampness from the channels and the muscles. So again, Songju is so good at dealing with dampness, we're not just talking about middle jowl dampness, we're actually talking about dampness from the environment, getting into the channels and getting into the muscles. So we say for uh, body ache and body heaviness or damp predominant B syndrome. So I think we talked about this in the very beginning um, with warm acrid herbs that release the exterior. When we have an, an external attack of wind cold, sometimes we have dampness combined in with that. So we'll have our normal wind cold symptoms, but we also feel body heaviness, grogginess, lethargy. Remember we said this with Chiang uh, Huo nototerygium rhizoma, that was an external attack of wind cold with accompanying signs of dampness. So here we can also use Tsongju for that. We actually say Tsongju has a mild action of promoting sweating to push that out. But this can also be for uh, wind dampness in the channels as in B syndrome. So remember we talked about this at the beginning of this semester with our herbs that dispel wind dampness. Songju is so good at uh, dampness, it can be even used for damp predominant B syndrome. And then lastly here, this is kind of a funny one. We say that Songju brightens the eyes. Uh, I think mostly for night blindness, but we say for night blindness, poor vision, cataracts, and glaucoma. And so this, is, this one is a little bit funny because if you remember that normally when we talk about brightening the eyes, we say there are three ways we go about doing it. We can clear wind heat to brighten eyes. We saw that before with like Juhua, chrysanthemum flower. We can clear liver heat, uh, subdue liver yang rising to brighten eyes. We saw that with things like Jue Mingza. Or we can tonify blood, tonify yin to brighten eyes. And when we look at Songju, it's like, it doesn't do any of those things. So it doesn't really make sense that it would have this action of brightening the eyes. And it turns out what I think, what I think is going on here is when we look at the source texts for this function, they often said that if you want to brighten eyes, you should eat liver, like either pig liver or goat's liver, plus Songju, and that will brighten the eyes. So it's kind of like, is it really the Songju that's brightening the eyes, or is it that you have liver, because you're eating liver, that's tonifying liver blood, and that's what's brightening the eyes, and the Songju is really just there to help you digest it. So on the book, we have this uh, action that Songju brightens the eyes. Not quite sure how it goes about doing that. It could be that if you want to brighten the eyes, you also have to eat liver. And then uh, finally, we do say that Songju is a spleen stomach guiding herb. I think we introduced this concept before with like Jie Gung is, an, is a guiding herb to the lung that will direct the actions of other herbs to the lung. Well, here we're saying Songju so strongly enters the spleen stomach, it so strongly enters the middle jowl that it can direct the actions of other herbs to the spleen and stomach. So that's Songju. Like we said, it's warm in temperature because the spleen uh, likes warmth. The taste is bitter and acrid. It's bitter because it's not only transforming the dampness, it's actually drying out the dampness using that bitter flavor, acrid because it's moving and dispersing, entering channels of, our, our, of course, the spleen stomach. And that's Songju, attract the lotus rhizoma, one of our strongest, best herbs for dampness. After that is Ho Po Magnolia officinalis cortex. Ho Po Magnolia officinalis cortex. This is magnolia bark. 
And kind of a weird note on this one, please please do not say hoopoe. A lot of people, uh, English speakers at least, will see this and they might think it's pronounced like you, Y-O-U, but it's it's not hoopoe. We actually have a different substance called hoopoe. Uh, in Chinese, this would be pronounced ho-po, magnolia bark. So this is the bark of a magnolia tree. This one moves qi and dries dampness. So again, it has this bitter flavor, so it's strongly drying the dampness, dealing with all of those dampness things that we talked about. But this also has an action that it's very good at moving qi as well. So when we talked about awakening the spleen. The spleen has a function of movement and transformation of dampness. So ho pool is moving. Uh, if you didn't get that, we uh, actually put it as a second second function as well. Hopo moves middle jiao qi for qi stagnation in the middle or food stagnation. I think that's our next category is herbs that really food stagnation, but that's like you ate too much and the food got stuck. Hopo can help start moving things. And we say that hopo uh, moves middle jiao qi. We specifically say it moves it downward. And so the stomach is supposed to down bear the food into the small intestine. So in the middle, we want a downward direction. So hopo moves things downward specifically. Because if things get stuck here, they can rebel back upwards and we get nausea, vomiting, things like that. It turns out hopo is so good at moving things downward, it's actually you need to use caution in uh, cases of pregnancy. That has a strong downward action. You don't want to... You don't want that downward movement to move the baby right out. And then with hopo, we also say it transforms phlegm and stop cough. So for cough and wheezing due to phlegm obstructing the lung. So this we could say it has something to do with like dampness. Remember before we said that the spleen is the source of phlegm and the lung is the house of phlegm. But we could also say this has to do with its downward action. That's not only directing the stomach chi downward, it's also directing the lung chi downward as well. So that's why it's good for things like coughing, wheezing, and panting. And again, this downward direction is so good that we have to use caution, at least in cases of pregnancy. I don't think we say it's outright indicated, but use caution in cases of pregnancy that you don't want too much downward movement. So that's whole pull. Again, it's warm because the spleen likes warmth. Bitter and acrid, that bitterness has a downward direction and it also dries out the dampness. And then you'll notice in addition to the spleen and stomach, we're also entering the lung channel because it has an action of directing the lung chi downward as well. So that's whole pull magnolia bark. After that is huo xiang pogostomonas or agastaches herba. Huo xiang Pogostomonas or Agastaches herba. The way, the reason we have two things here is because historically, Huoxiang could refer to two different herbs that I think botanically they're different, but they have very similar actions. So they both had this name, Huoxiang. But I think in modern times, if you see Huoxiang, that means the first one, the Pogostomonas, which is patchouli, which I think is the thing that hippies put on themselves to instead of deodorant to smell nice. But anyway, maybe that can tell us that Huoxiang patchouli has a strong smell. You can think that hippies have a strong smell and that will uh, that smell can revive your spleen to transform dampness. So Huoxiang transforms middle jiao dampness and we say that it's especially good for nausea, vomiting, morning sickness, and stomach flu. So 
Again, we have this dampness stagnating in the middle. The stuff can rebel back upwards, giving us nausea, vomiting. And Huoshang is also good for summer heat as well. So remember, summer heat is one of the six evils. The summer heat is specifically a pathogen that only attacks us from the outside. There's no such thing as internally generated summer heat. So of the six evils, summer heat is one that is only external. And basically, uh, summer heat is heat that happens during the summer. So think of like heat stroke, like you spent too much time in the sun. But what we also said about summer heat is it often has an element of dampness as well. So we might have things like the nausea or inhibited urination uh, because there's dampness blocking the smooth flow of urine, things like that. Summer heat all often comes along with dampness. Remember we talked about this before with herbs like Hua shi, talcum powder, hua shi in the category herbs that drain dampness is also good for summer heat. Well, now here we have another one, huo xiang, which is good for summer heat as well. Uh, huo xiang also harmonizes the middle jiao, kind of like we said already that it's good for nausea and vomiting. So it's, it's not only transforming the dampness, it's harmonizing the upward and downward movement of the middle jiao. So it's especially good for nausea and vomiting. And then what's special about Huoshang is it also has this mild action of releasing the exterior. So I don't think this is incredibly strong like our other uh, release the exterior herbs, but it does have an action of releasing the exterior, especially for wind cold attacks or for summer heat dampness. Again, we said that summer heat is an external pathogen that attacks from the outside. So we can use Huoshang to release the exterior and deal with this summer heat. And we say this is especially for when nausea and vomiting are present. So kind of a takeaway here that we've said this three different times that Huoshang is good for nausea and vomiting. So here in number three, we can say this is especially good that when you get in, uh, if you get an attack of wind cold, but then you also have stomach symptoms like nausea, vomiting, then Huoshang would be especially useful. And it turns out we actually have a formula called Huoshang Jiangqisan, which is for this situation of um, an external attack of wind cold causing stomach symptoms. So think about like a stomach flu or something you get sick and you have stomach issues as well. You might turn to the formula Huoshang Jiangqisan. And of course, the chief verb there is Huoshang. So this is one that um, we do say that we, specifically that we should add it during the last five minutes of cooking. So this one is one that we don't want to overcook it and destroy that aromatic property. So we add it towards the end. And again, you can notice that our entering channels also include uh, the lung channel as well because we're releasing the exterior. So that's Huoshang Patchouli. So you can kind of see from our, our first three, uh, kind of the main differentiators here are we had Zhangju, which is one of our strongest herbs for dampness. It, it's so good at treating dampness. It also treats lower jiao damp heat and dampness in the channels. Um, Whole pool, magnolia bark, is good for dampness, but it's also good at moving qi, specifically moving it downward. And here, huoxiang transforms the dampness, but it also releases the exterior, so it's good for summer flu, or good for stomach flu uh, type conditions. And so those are the first ones. After that, we get into a lot of herbs that are kind of like different types of cardamom. Um, so our first one here is 
Sha Ren Amomi Fructus. Sha Ren Amomi Fructus. Um, these are little pods that I'm not sure if it's a type of cardamom, but to me it looks like cardamom. It's a it's a little pod, and when you crush it, there are a bunch of little black seeds in the middle. And so this is grains of paradise. I don't know what that means. Maybe you know what grains of paradise are. I'm not sure if it's a type of cardamom, but to me it's it looks similar to cardamom, like you use in Indian cooking. So Sha Ren transforms middle jiao dampness and also moves qi. So again, we're taking care of these two aspects of the spleen, movement and transformation. It's moving the qi to take care of qi stagnation, but then it's also transforming the dampness. So that's Sha Ren. Uh, in addition to that, we also say it warms the middle jowl. So this is very common that we have a cold in the spleen. So Sha Ren also has a warming action, especially for diarrhea due to cold. So here we're kind of taking care of all aspects of the spleen. The movement, the transformation, the aversion to cold. Uh, we're, we're doing all of those with Sha Ren, Amomi Fructus. And then another important function here is Sha Ren calms restless fetus to prevent miscarriage. And so I think, again, this is an action we've talked about a couple times. I think um, in the very beginning, we talked about Zitsuye perilla leaf has this action of calming restless fetus. We talked about it again with Huang Qin, uh, one of the three Huangs in the damp heat category, has an action of calming restless fetus. Uh, I think even in the beginning of this semester, uh, Song Ji Sheng uh, has an action of calming restless fetus. And again, here we're talking about excessive movements, excessive kicking, uh, and we worry that this excessive movement might be a sign of a miscarriage or even bleeding during pregnancy can be a sign that we're um, restless fetus, we're worried about a miscarriage. And so this one would, uh, similar to Zitsuye or Zitsugung, uh, if there's stagnation of middle jiao qi, maybe that can cause the, the fetus to become restless. So Sha Ren regulates middle jiao qi to calm restless fetus and prevent miscarriage. Oh, also, um, Sha Ren is often used with tonifying formulas to prevent stagnation. So uh, if we're trying to tonify the spleen, a lot of times if we introduce these sweet herbs, they can be very sweet, sticky, and cloying. They can be difficult to digest. So sometimes we'll add in some Sha Ren to make sure that those tonifying herbs don't cause stagnation. Because again, we have this action of moving Qi. So Sha Ren is there to prevent stagnation with other tonifying herbs. And this is one that, uh, in terms of cooking it, first of all, we add it during the last five minutes of cooking because of that aromatic property. Prolonged cooking can destroy that aromaticness. But this is also one that we have to crush before decocting as well. And this one is, it's really easy. You just put it in a mortar and pestle and pound it a few times. And basically you can see it looks like pods, like cardamom pods. And so you're just trying to break open these pods so that you can see the little seeds on the inside. So it's not like you have to grind it into a fine powder. You just need to crush it enough to break up these pods. So that's Sharen, Amomi Fructus. The name means sand seeds. So Sha means sand, like you know when you do Gua Sha. Um, sha means sand, Zhen means seed or kernel. So that's Sha Ren Amomi Fructus. Next is Bai Do Ko Amomi Fructus Rotundus. Bai Do Ko 
Amomi fructus rotundus. So Sha Ren was Amomi fructus. This is um, rotund, I think is a Latin word for fat. So this is fat Amomi fructus bidoco. And very similar properties. This one transforms middle jiao dampness and moves qi. So again, movement and transformation of the middle. But here we can say this one is good for vomiting and nausea. So with Sha Ren, we said it's especially good for diarrhea. This one we're saying it's especially good for vomiting and nausea. It's so good it can be used as a single herb that you can just take the seeds. And like the other one, this one also warms the middle jiao. So again, the spleen prefers warmth or favors warmth. But here we're saying it warms the middle jiao, again, for vomiting due to cold. So Sha Ren and Baidoko have very similar functions, but maybe we can say Sha Ren in terms of its spleen action, it's better at diarrhea, whereas Baidoko in terms of its spleen action, it's better at nausea vomiting. So this one again, it's it looks like a cardamom thing, so you have to crush it first. Again, you're just breaking it open to get those little seeds in the middle. And this one is actually kind of weird that I looked in several books and I never found anything that says that we have to add it during the last five minutes, but all of the other things that are similar to this, we add during the last five minutes. So when I use this in a decoction, I add it during the last five minutes, but technically I couldn't find any reference in a textbook that says Bidoco should be added during the last five minutes. But it does say you need to crush it first because again, it's a little cardamom looking thing. You need to get those little seeds out. And the name just means white cardamom. Bai means white, which we've seen several times before. And doko means cardamom. That's baidoko, amomi fructus rotundus. After that is tsaudoko, alpinii katsumadai semen. Tsaudoko. Um, and so this is another cardamom looking thing. This, uh, the name is katsumada's galangal seed. I don't know what that is or what that means, but that's what we list as the English name of this one is Katumada's Galangal Seed. And this one, very similar to the others, it dries dampness and moves chi. So another cardamom looking thing that does movement and transformation. It also warms the middle jaw for abdominal fullness, pain, nausea, vomiting due to cold. This one, it's kind of hard to see there, but what we're really saying here is Saudoko is similar to Baidoko. It's just stronger, it's warmer, it's more drying, and so it has a stronger action than Baidoko to the extent that we might have to worry that it's too warming and too drying. So again, when we talked about using caution in cases of yin deficiency, this one, it's very warm and very drying, so we might have to worry about actually drying out the patient too much. And again, we crush it first and add it during the last five minutes because it's a cardamom-looking thing. And this one means grass cardamom. Tsao means herb or grass. And that's saudoko. And the final one is tsao guo, tsaoko fructus. So this one, the this is one of those convenient ones where the Latin name is basically the same as the Chinese name. So tsao guo, tsaoko fructus. Um, again, it's a big seed looking thing. We say this one strongly dries dampness and disperses cold. So even a little bit stronger than the last one. And this one, we can also say it transforms phlegm cold in the lung. And sometimes we say it specifically checks malaria. Uh, so it treats malarial disorders. And sometimes the way that's translated is it checks malaria. Um, 
oh, this is kind of another interesting function that we say Cao uh, Guo is also used for food stagnation, specifically for food stagnation due to the overconsumption of meat. So like you ate too much food, specifically you ate too much meat and it got stuck. Cao Guo can be used for that. And I just think this is kind of funny because Bensky specifically uses the term meat stagnation. So I think that's kind of funny. It's like you ate a big steak and you're like, oh, I got the meat stagnation. And so Salguo can be used for that. So this one, um, the name means grass fruit. So here it's strongly drawing dampness and dispersing cold. But notice that this one doesn't have much of a movement aspect. So kind of with um, these last ones that are all um, cardamom looking things, basically it kind of goes in the descending order of how good they are at moving cheese. So Sha Ren not only aromatically transforms dampness, but it also has an action of moving qi and treating qi stagnation. And then as we go down the line, they get less and less good at moving where Cao Guo doesn't really move things at all. But then it goes the other way in terms of their ability to warm the middle and uh, dry out the dampness. So Sha Ren kind of good at warming, kind of good at transforming dampness, and then we go down to get stronger and stronger where Cao Guo is very good at warming and very good at drying. So Cao Doko and Cao Guo are the warmest and driest of, of these ones. So that's kind of the difference of our cardamom looking things. So that's aromatic herbs that transform dampness. And again, at this point, I, I like to introduce some formulas. If you're in herbs two or a single herb class, you usually don't have to memorize formulas. I just like to throw them in here because I think it kind of gives us some context into how these herbs are used and what they're treating. So one of our major formulas for dampness is Pingwei San, calm the stomach powder. Pingwei San, calm the stomach powder, and this is for dampness stagnating in the spleen and stomach. So here we see those things we talked about. Distension and fullness in the epigastrium and abdomen, loss of taste and loss of appetite, that you have this dampness stuck in the middle so you don't want to eat more, but it's also like you have so much dampness that it's blocking your ability to taste things. Like you're so slimy and sticky, it's blocking your taste buds. Heavy sensation in the limbs, the spleen governs the four limbs so it can get weighed down by dampness, loose stools or diarrhea, easily fatigued because the dampness is weighing you down, increased desire to sleep, nausea, vomiting, belching, blah, blah, blah. Um, things are stuck here so they're starting to rebel back upwards. So we have nausea, vomiting, belching, and acid reflux. The tongue is going to be swollen because of the dampness. The dampness is making the tongue larger and swelled up. And it's going to have a white greasy coat because of the dampness. The pulse is going to be moderate or slippery. Slippery because of the dampness. And you can see here we have our two main herbs for dampness, Sangju and Huopo. So Sangju, Attractolotus, and Huopo, Magnolia Bark, are there to awaken the spleen, transform the dampness. We have some of this rebellious stomach chi with our nausea, vomiting, belching, and acid reflux. So whole pool is not only transforming the dampness, it's all moving things downward to take care of that rebellion. And then we also have other like Chen Pi is aged tangerine peel. It's good for regulating chi. Um, and then Jirgantao, Shangjang, Datsao are just three herbs that tend to be added into formulas. Call it like the three amigos we put in like every formula to help with digestion. So that's Pingwei San, calm the stomach powder. And so this is an example of dampness in the middle jiao. Another one we talked about before was Huo Xiang Zhengqi San, patchouli agastaches powder to rectify the qi, Huo Xiang Zhengqi San. 
And like we said before, this is for externally contracted wind cold with internal dampness. So we have the fever and chills, headache. Those that's our that's how we know that we have an external attack. But then we also see abdominal pain, nausea and vomiting, diarrhea, loss of taste. Those are all signs of the internal dampness. The tongue has a white greasy coat because of the dampness. The pulse is soggy because of the dampness. So here we use herbs like huoxiang and huopul to take care of that dampness. And then notice we also have um, another herb that has kind of a similar function as the one we learned at the very beginning, zutsuye, perilla leaf. Uh, remember that one was good for releasing the exterior, but it also harmonizes the middle jowl to deal with nausea, vomiting, and morning sickness. So this is kind of like zutsuye um, and huo uh, shang are very similar in these functions. It's just that zutsuye is a lot better at releasing the exterior and a little bit weaker at regulating the middle jowl, whereas huo shang is a lot better at dealing with middle jowl dampness stuff and it's a little bit weaker at releasing the exterior. Um, but you can see some other familiar herbs here that Zutsuye and Baijiu are both in that release the exterior category. Dan Shao we talked about is good for phlegm, but also has a very good downward direction to deal with vomiting. Dan Xiao we mentioned this one before in the phlegm category. I just wanted to bring it up here again because now, now we've learned both Ban Xiao and Huopo. This was our one for plum pit chi, a feeling of something caught in the throat. And so to deal with that, we use a combination of ban sha to transform the phlegm. But huo po is also here because, again, it has a very good action of regulating qi and moving it downward. So if this stuff is stuck here, we can move it downward with that huo po magnolia bark. And so here's, a, here's an example of using it in conjunction with ban sha. Both of them have a very good downward direction. So I just wanted to bring that up as an example. Um, you can see, even see here the main actions are move chi, dissipates clumps, directs rebellious chi downward. Those are kind of common actions of ban sha and ho po. And I think this is our last one. Um, ar miao san, two marvel pill. Ar miao san, two marvel pill. And this is for damp heat in the lower jiao. So we say a wide variety of complaints like pain in the low back and lower extremities because there's damp heat there, red, hot, swollen, painful feet. You got this damp heat in the lower jowl and it's going down into your feet actually. Uh, but I think a more common one is thick, yellow, foul smelling vaginal discharge because of the damp heat. Sores on the lower extremities due to dampness. Uh, the tongue is gonna have a yellow, greasy coat. Greasy because of the dampness. Yellow tells us it's damp heat. And kind of the point of all of this is here we can use Tsangju to deal with this lower jiao damp heat. So this is an example of that function that we talked about with Tsangju treating damp heat in the lower jiao. And this is just an, another one of these combinations where Tsangju is really good at treating dampness, but for damp heat, it's the wrong temperature. Tsangju is warm in temperature, so you think it would not be good for damp heat. How do we fix that? We combine it with a cold herb like Huang Bai. Remember, we learned Huang Bai from the clear heat, dry dampness category. Huang Bai is very good for damp heat in the lower jowl. So it's kind of like Songju is really good for dampness. We combine it with Huang Bai to change the temperature of the overall formula to make it cold. And so that is our aromatic herbs, uh, or our formulas with examples of aromatic herbs that transform dampness. So again, doing a review here, our first three were 
Songju, Huo Po, and Huo Xiang. So Songju was good, one of our strongest herbs for dampness. It was good for middle jaw dampness. It was good for lower jaw dampness. It was good for wind cold attacks with dampness or damp predominant B syndrome. Really good for dampness. Huo Po, good for dampness, but also good for moving qi, specifically moving the qi downward. Huo Xiang, good for dampness, but I would here think about... Um, dampness with external attack. So an external attack of summer heat, summer heat dampness, or an external attack of wind cold when there's also dampness causing nausea, vomiting. Think about Huoxiang is good for stomach flu is maybe how I'd think about that. And then we have our cardamom looking things that are like little pods with seeds in the middle. Sharen, Baidoko, Tsaodoko, and Tsaoguo. And again, these are just activating the spleen function. So think about the spleeny things are movement and transformation. So these herbs are promoting movement. They're also transforming dampness, but they're also warming the middle jowl as well because the spleen favors warmth. So kind of all of these herbs are doing it. But like we said, they're in descending order of movement. So Sha Ren, really good at moving qi. Tsaodoko and Tsaoguo, not so good at moving qi, but then they're in reverse order of their strength in terms of warming and drying. So Sha Ren, not so warming and drying, and that means we can, we don't have to worry so much about like causing yin deficiencies. So Sha Ren, not so warming and drying, but then as we move down, Tsaodoko and Tsaoguo, very good at warming and drying. And then again, remember we said that Sha Ren is a little bit better for diarrhea, whereas Baidoko is a little bit better for nausea, um, vomiting. Honestly, Saodoko and Saoguo, I'm not sure we use those a whole lot. That Sha Ren's very common to use in formulas. Saoguo, Saodoko, I'm not sure they come up very much. So those might be a little bit less important. But that is our aromatic herbs that transform dampness. And again here... Um, we were going over this category in a lot of detail. So if you're in an, in an herbs due class and you're wanting to review the weekly lecture, this is a good way to do it by going into this kind of detail. But if you're studying for finals or for year ends or for boards and you want a way to go through these herbs more quickly, you just want a quick review where we touch on the key points, you do have an online course on Teachable that goes over all of the single herbs. Uh, that we learn, all 280-something herbs that we learn on the NCCM list. So if you want to review all the herbs, be sure to check that out. If you're in the process of reviewing formulas, either for your formula finals, second year ends, or uh, boards, there's also a formula review class as well. So and it kind of goes over it in the same way where we talk about the main points of each formula and then kind of relate it to how the single herbs work on those actions. So if you are studying for finals, year ends, or boards, check those out as well. But again, thank you to everyone who supports the website, the YouTube channel, and everything we do. Um, so thank you for that support. If you want to join people in supporting us, when I say us, I mean me. If you want to join those people in supporting me and these videos that I make, there are several ways to do it. You can join the Patreon. That's like a monthly donation. You can do a one-time donation through Buy Me a Coffee. Or you can just like this video, share it with your friends, share it with your study group, and that helps out a lot as well. That's all we got for now. The next one coming up is Herbs That Relieve Food Stagnation. So we'll see you then. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time.